You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. What was we talking about before the show? Nothing. We're in totally different rooms. Correct. But uh, we do realize, I hope you realize people, it's very hot today. And we have a big ceiling fan that could cool us down very nicely. It's so big and there's mm. lots of air comes from it. But it's right over the microphone. So You're giving the impression that we are actually hot when we are not. We're I very, am. Very ni- but our house is so nicely air conditioned. Yeah, but it's not You must be right tuned now. up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we've I'm turned it off so you don't hear it on the microphone because you so really do. So feel sorry for him for being hot, but don't worry about me because I'm fine. All right, so it's Saturday, June the 16th, 2012. This is After the Show. What is After the Show, Sid Talk? This this podcast? What is it? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Are you introducing this to people the, who might have listened to before? Correct. Yeah, there could be new people listening. Correct. It is, um, we watch a movie, and after the show, we talk about it. And we always dev, and so we decide to start recording it, and, and, produ- and sending it out into the world. Ta-da. That is after the show. Correct. So, um, the movie we're looking at this week is Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows on Blu-ray. This is a 2011 movie released on Blu-ray on the 12th of June, 2012. So that was this week just gone. Uh, It's a PG-13. There isn't a tagline to this movie. It's from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk here will give you the synopsis. (laughs) throwing back to me I like, feel like your co-pilot or something um, synopsis come on it's Sherlock Holmes there's danger and he has to solve a problem before Moriarty destroys the world only this time it involves uh, turn of the century slightly pre turn of the 19th slash 20th century world politics i.e. leading up to what would become World War One. Yeah. So I'm the done. industrialization of war and Moriarty's power and wealth. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, but really, it's just Sherlock Holmes showing off. <laughs> yes, showing his miraculous brain. Mm. So, this is the second Sherlock Holmes movie from Guy Ritchie. Uh, the last one was, what, a couple of years ago? Don't we did review it. Go back and look at our archive and you'll see a podcast where we reviewed it. That one was just called Sherlock Holmes. Um, let me straight up I will go first Sherlock Holmes I was a big fan of Guy Ritchie's first one thought it was really good thought this one was 20 times better for me mm-hmm. I liked the story better I it felt bigger what did you like better about it? Uh, the fact that Moriarty was the mm. uh, antagonist and not that other guy I mean they hinted at Moriarty you mean not a middleman yeah they hinted at Moriarty in the first one and you you saw him step out of a car but didn't actually see him. Um, so you kind of knew that he was going to be... But Moriarty is... I want to see Sherlock go against Moriarty. It's always been my... Obviously, most people's favourite thing. Because they're pitted against each other and they're at the, he's his only opponent, really. The problem with that is, why don't they just kill each other? I understand everyone's going to intellectualise it and say, Oh, but it's the game they like to play. It's the game of shadows. But... Just, I don't mean just this movie. I mean the whole of his, all of his stories. If they're face to face, one of them just needs to kill the other one, and they're done. They do. <laughs> that wouldn't make for very long books, but still. 
Um, yeah, and if you read the books, maybe that happens at some <laughs> point. So, yeah, I really like this one a lot. I thought the action sequences were good. Um, you know, using Guy Ritchie's trademark, slow down, speed up. But normally that would bother me. But Guy Ritchie does it differently enough from other people. He does it really um, cartoon-like. Like, he'll actually stop the frame completely and then start... You know, it's kind of stop start. It's very different the way he does it. How I describe it and the thing that came to mind when I was watching it is it's really aggressive mm-hmm. filmmaking. And he likes to show when somebody's having a fist fight... Film editing. Uh, I mean the actual... Yeah, the actual... That style. And when you're seeing a fist fight, it feels really violent because of the way he does it. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people grimace and you see them... Like it, and when he, there was a scene where it showed you people with knuckle dusters and daggers. It just looks like violent. Yet the end result isn't as violent as you think. Like it, it's not blood and guts or anything, but it looks super violent. Like his early movies, Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels and Snatch. He's just got this grimy kind of odd way about it. So I, I think it fits well with Sherlock Holmes. And at first, when I first watched the first movie. I didn't think it was going to fit. I thought Guy Ritchie and Sherlock Holmes was, you know, two things that don't match. I can't think of two things that don't match right now. But, you know, I was thinking, Guy Ritchie doing Sherlock Holmes when it was first announced. You know, I know what Guy Ritchie does. How can he do an intellectual thing like Sherlock Holmes and make it his own? Right. The reason he makes it his own is this stop-starty thing, which is totally ridiculous. I mean, it doesn't happen. But the Holmes vision thing, where you get to see yeah. what Holmes thinks before he does it, I think, and if I had something bad to say about this movie, it's a little bit overdone in this movie. Like, sometimes it feels redundant. Like, Holmes will say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then then we see that sequence played out. Sometimes it changes, sometimes it doesn't. So when, the times when it doesn't, it seems redundant to me. Like, okay, he's going to have a fight with this guy, and then we see him have a fight with the guy. Yeah, but we have to establish that he can do it accurately. We do, and, but at and this point... And then it shows you... Yeah, but this might not... This might be the first one you see. Right, yeah, I think so. So if you don't see the first one, you have to establish he gets it right because of his thing, and then when we see sort of an ultimate showdown of a similar, the similar thing, you have to understand that there is, it's not a perfect science, and, and he's I vulnerable. Wish it, I wish I actually knew what his thing was. It's like a, he's got heightened senses of some kind that he can, like... I think it's just that he's worked out so many, so many things in his mind and he understands human nature, that the every move and the counter some move of the, that the other person's going to make, that that's how he puts in his mind. Some of the things seem, like, uh, really far out there, though. You know, there was one where there was, like, blood in some concrete in a wall, and, and I was like, uh, in a split second, I know it's a, he's like a superhero, really. Even somebody who's tuned up with everything wouldn't. Nah, it seems a bit way out there sometimes. Right. It's just that he's paying attention. It is, but Not he didn't does. see that happen. He no, didn't see the man construct puts together the wall. all the pieces of the puzzle and the things that are wrong, and why are these things here? And, and it's in a blink and of an other eye. things that he had seen, but he had also seen other things that all of a sudden piece together. I don't know. I, I so, buy it. So, so that's to, part of my pleasure of the movie is I buy it. So yeah, to me, I just feel they did too many, um, like too many. Uh, 
Also, I feel this secondary, this second movie, not secondary. Well, so he's a profiler guy, remember? So he can come to a crime scene and he works out what has happened. That's what he was doing in that instance. Yeah. Just a profiler where, why are these pieces of, why are these things disheveled, putting in his mind the steps everybody, you know, like now even they do. So, um, I feel also in the second movie, I think they made it way more cheeky than the first movie. So it mm-hmm. felt a little bit less gritty. And a bit more comedy. Um, so there were, it, I wavered. There was points where I was going, yeah. "Okay, the cheeky stuffs. I've had a bit of. I've had enough of that now. Can you just drop it and get on with the story?" And luckily, he kind of did. Like he went off the cheeky stuff and went to some serious action parts. But um, yeah, there was times where I was kind of well, I was kind of thinking to myself, "It wasn't quite as cheeky as this. The first one. It was more." You know, dirty down. It was London. more troubled, and so they took that slant yeah. a little bit. And this more. one actually has like. But it sounds to me like they did all their little market research and groups and stuff, and then they're saying, "Okay, what everybody loved before, we're gonna do it and turn it up two or three notches on the." Because this knob. goes straight out for laughs on occasion. Um, well, a lot of the time, there's silly, there's laugh. Like we're just going straight for the comedy here, like mm-hmm. Stephen Fry naked. Um, Things that Holmes says, uh, you know, think back and forth. Robert Downey Jr. in drag at one point, mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're straight up for laughs. We, they do fit into the story, but um, sometimes I thought less of that. Sometimes, yeah. Um, and usually when I thought less of that, he did do less of that, so I couldn't really complain. But, yeah, it's a bit cheeky Err. So if you hated the cheeky parts in the first one, which there weren't so many... This might not if be. If you want the serious thing. version of Sherlock Holmes, watch the BBC version. Yeah, which is a totally different take <laughs> yeah. on Sherlock. Or maybe yeah. in ten years, someone will come along and make a very dark. I'll go and, and watch the BBC version of Sherlock that they did years ago, the one where it was in the in the Victorian London. Go and watch that one because that one's a serious take on Sherlock too. You mean they went back in time and made it actually in Victorian? Yes. Wow, that's commitment. Um, no wonder BBC needs all that money. Yeah, so <laughs> I I like this movie. It's it's a Longish movie, two hours and nine minutes altogether. Um, didn't feel long no, to me. It's an hour and it's thirty-nine hours, minutes. Two hours and nine minutes. No, it's one hour and. Tw- it's hundred. It's two hours and nine minutes. I, I just looked. I thought you said it was one hundred and twenty-nine minutes. Oh, is that two Which hours, is two and, hours nine and nine minutes? Oh, right. <laughs> My math isn't very good. Not really. <laughs> one hundred and twenty minutes. See how, how how I always remember that, right? And this is a weird thing. 120 minutes. I know that's two hours without even... You know, you do, don't you? Without calculating it. And the reason I know that is because of two-hour video cassettes. And they always said 120 on the front of them. Right. Right. And I knew that though... And in the day, the two-hour ones were more expensive than the one-hour ones. And it was always, like, a bit rare if you had a two-hour one lying around to, to record onto. So when I saw one, I was like, oh, that's a 120. Like, I was excited. It was a, <laughs> so I always remember that two hours is 120. Nice. And it's funny that they never do running times of movies just in... They don't really say it's one hour and nine minutes. They always do the... No, they do. No, uh, on the back of the cases, they don't. Mm. It always says 120 minutes or 129 or 300, and, you know. So, yeah, 200... And, it's... 200 and, It's... Two hours and nine minutes. It doesn't feel like two hours and nine minutes because it's. It, I think it's. It does weird. in a good way. Yeah, but it's really got um, good pace to it. I thought it changes location just when you get in. Well, oh, okay, it goes somewhere else. It goes somewhere else. I like that. I um, like. You know, 
I'm, I don't want to spoil anything, but they do something at the beginning which I kind of liked because mm-hmm. it was totally out. I was like, whoa. And um, there's a lot of returning people in it. Yeah. Uh, they're making another one. You of course. Know, they're already in, in process of making another he one. He said he's working on the next and script. I don't so does Robert Downey Jr. work on writing the script or does he just like, oh, he must yeah, he must do something, because he said I'll, I'll be working on it. Unless he means working on the script as in remembering the script for no, the new one. Right, you right, know what I mean? yeah. Because um, that is quite a wordy movie. He says a lot of stuff, right? Here. And he has to do a lot in conjunction yeah. with... Yeah, yeah. And I like the action sequences. The one on the train especially I thought was really cool. There's, there's some... Um, That's my least favourite. Uh... Was it? I, mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, just, I, I liked the... Uh, the cannon and the yeah, hole and yeah. the slow motion part of that, where he was saying, you know, make now you, count. yeah, make it count. I love the, um, how that looked with the wind, those wind up, I know, uh, machine guns from the past. You know, we saw them in Warhorse as well. The, uh, yeah. It's, what is that? It's like a Gatling gun, isn't it? With a winder on yeah. it instead of it being automatic. You have to wind it up. Congratulations to the assholes who decided to make weapons better. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I like this take on Sherlock Holmes. I don't know how Arthur Conan Boyle Doyle, Arthur Conan Doyle would feel about this take on Sherlock Holmes because it's very, it's a very pop culture look at Sherlock Holmes, really, isn't it? It's like um, it uses all the tricks in the book for us to be enamoured with it. It's it's not old fashioned. It's you know it uses special effects. It uses slow How's motion. How's that pop culture? Well, the slow, the, it uses matrix, you know, stuff from modern times interspersed with the old story. Well, actually, it doesn't intersperse it with the old story because they throw the old story out of the window. It's not like a, it's not none of these are based on his books. You know, it's just a let's pit Holmes against characters that did appear in the books, but nothing to do with the books. I mean, it's I like it though. It's a good. I think it's a good way of bringing Sherlock Holmes. But that said. The BBC's version of Sherlock Holmes, which is a modern day telling of Sherlock Holmes, is also a good way of telling it. So perhaps that is Sherlock Holmes is just a awesome story that you can always retell. You could Crowd retell it in term. the future with spaceships; it'd still be good, right? I mean, it's it's a guy who is literally invincible, right? I mean, he feels Wouldn't invincible. Wouldn't that be what Doctor Who is really? He's sort of that space time traveling Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, I guess. Because he figures out everything. Yeah, because he, he doesn't everything. use violence or anything, does he? And he pieces together well, things Sherlock he's seen and violence. heard and, <laughs> you know, solves things. And, yeah. and he always has a sidekick. Yeah, you know, maybe inspired by it. Never really. But yeah, I, I like this take of it. Um, if I was to do anything, I might less cheek, a bit more grit. Because uh, Guy Ritchie... I is, think we're in the minority. I yeah. think they're crowd-pleasing at this point, and the next one's going to have more cheek, yeah. less grit, and more bigger explosions. Which I also won't mind, because I do like... I, th- I think it's really good. Uh, so what? What's Is your... he doing the third one as well? Yes. Guy Ritchie, I mean? Yeah. I so what's your um, take on the... Uh, on it? Oh, I enjoy them very much. I do dislike the jokey parts, like immensely it drags it down completely for me but i just bounce back some of them are actually fun. funny though I, I i actually i i'm usually the ones that are a little more subtle and less overtly one linerish yes i do find appropriately funny but i don't like the ongoing little dialogues i don't like 
the I don't like a lot of the visual gags. It just feels cheap. But then again, what are what are they trying to accomplish? You've got a lot of tension and action, and let's break it up and let's do the crowd pleaser for everybody. You've got a group of friends. One wants a chick flick. One's one action. One wants Robert Downey Jr. to be act like a funny man, and one wants to just look at Jude Law because he's sexy. How do we do it? And that to me is a formula which is annoying. But then I think, well, they're telling a story. I do enjoy this. I this sort of alternate universe of, you know, every single story seems to apply a little bit to history and how Sherlock Holmes, just like Doctor Who, again prevents these things, big, huge things, from happening in real life. So behind the scenes, we didn't know it. But yeah, the reason right. World War One didn't start yeah, in Yeah, Dalton, he does that all the time, yeah. right? The reason, you know, <laughs> history was altered was because Doctor Who was there or Sherlock Holmes was there. I like that notion. I just want little... I wanted to turn down the yucks a little bit. Just a little bit. Um... And I didn't like the train sequence that much. It was the poorest of the special effects, I felt. I didn't like it when they were outside of yeah, the train. But inside poor. the train, I really liked the inside the train part. Yeah. Um, where when, As soon as they stepped outside the train, it looked like CG to me. But as soon and as they stepped like back in, it was good. In the whole, I like the... I feel, in this one more than the other one, I feel the menace. And it's explained more through just little bits of dialogue how... Bad people do bad things just because they can. And then it's further explained about profiting from an inevitability. That the world and humans are what they are. Moriarty just wants to get on top of the heap with his pocketbook and cash in on it. Like, if the world's going to rip itself apart, humans, I might as well be the one cashing well, in. Well, so, it actually is the old saying, and they use it, of... Um, you know, when there's a war, the oh, yeah. best person to be is the one who sells bullets and bandages. Cause yeah, that's it, where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. and he, he uses he actually uses it. And it's a really clever and interesting perspective, I think. And, and probably does apply to real life. There's lots of social commentary yeah. in terms of how wars get started. There's an assassination attempt, etc., etc., and all the theories of how different wars through all of human... So Can also apply to, like pharmaceutical companies in today's day and age who are like, thank God for leukemia because we sell the medicine for it. Or, yeah. there's Paula Dean shoving butter down your throat every day, right. and now she's got diabetes. Hey, diabetes manufacturer. Yeah. Diabetes medicine manufacturer. Because <laughs> they are the people Let's making money off misery. wants you to eat yeah. ham and <laughs> butter and sugar. Let's just go ahead and pay her so that you keep eating ham and butter and sugar, but in the end, it'll be fine because we'll sell you a drug to fix it. Correct. Yeah, so, if so it still the, occurs to If you. we like to pander to human nature, which is to be in conflict and to fight and kill each other, that's fine. You know, there's going to be collateral damage, which again, that's a very, that's a very astute human um, observation. Right. That when, what did he say? When two gentlemen go, you know, have a conflict, that there will be inevitable collateral damage. Yeah. Not just between the two people, but everyone yeah. around. It's just true. In every, think of a divorce. A husband and a wife getting divorced and being nasty to each other. It doesn't just affect them. There's collateral damage. So I think it's clever. It digs a little deeper in some things. And on the other hand, if you turn all that on its head, it's just action, yeah. cheeky, weird, you know, like camera things. I mean, you can totally take away all of the thinking 
Maybe that's why it works because it works on both levels. If you, I was watching it on the level of both of those things. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, oh, really like the underbelly of the story, and I also like visual action, like like he does. But then, like you say, somebody could not have any interest, couldn't care in the slightest what the plot is going on about. They just want to see the gun shooting. I'd like to think Guy Ritchie and the producers and all them. I know they care. Number, I guess I don't know, but number one is money. We're not going to make this movie if we're not going to make a shitload of money. However, is there something in them as people spending 20 hours a day mulling over this project that makes them say, well, we do want it to have some value? Yeah. Like, and we want to say, but do they even? Do I they give they a do. shit? No, I think when a movie comes across quality like this one does, I think. Like everything's together. Something, somebody loves it in the project. When it comes across as like, oh, it's just a product, because that's how I... For example, John Carter? No, I think there was some love in there, too. Um, I I feel like the love was overridden by a studio trying to make it more... Yeah, and it should have been left to the people who I think at the core of John Carter was somebody was in love with the old books and wanted it, it, and it didn't turn out like they wanted it. I think it's too much... On top, people were trying... I don't know. It felt like so a this, conflict. So the quality of this movie leads me to believe there was some love and not just a money thing. Even though a money thing's always part of a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, but yeah, there are some movies that just come across as... Someone in the food chain of that movie project says, we want to actually make something... Well, makes money. Something... Not just make money, but someone says, we want something... Val- not valuable, because it is just a Sherlock Holmes movie, but... You know, after a while, we watched Thor last night. You get a little worn down by just the big, big, bigness of it all. You'd like to think somewhere in the process of those hundreds of people who make that movie, somebody is thinking to themselves, God, I've got this day-to-day, I've got this fucking cubicle where I sit here and do this one thing for this movie every day. I'd like to make it at least worth my time yeah. and not just know that at the end of the month I get my paycheck. I just, I don't know. I'd also like Maybe to that's think... Impossible. I'd also like to think when you are using a franchise like Sherlock Holmes that you have some respect for a classic novel. There's classic literature that exists and you're not just trying to... Do you think the classic novel had some comment on society that was valuable? Have you read them all? I've read a couple. There's a lot of them. Um, No, I think they were kind of pulpy for the time even, you know? But they're... There was nothing like them then, and they. they so if they were just pulpy, then who gives a shit if you have respect for it? Well, they're pulpy <laughs> and intellectual at the same time, so they go. You know, they are renowned as classic fiction, right? So I guess that doesn't make them good. It just means they have what. No, this they are has. good though. I, I mean, to me anyway, they are good. So you have read them? Yeah, I just said I've read a oh, couple right. of them, not all of them. I mean, I think I read the first one and the last one, which is kind of weird. At school, you know. Um... I can tell you what happens at the end, but I won't. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the cast of the movie. We've got Robert Downey Jr. as Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Um, I can't think... I think he's fantastic in certain things. Sometimes he could he could be annoying. But I think this is, like, made for him, this role. Uh, you know, I can't think... It's very indulgent. It is. But it works completely. Like, it fits how he is. And so does Tony Stark in Iron Man. But could you imagine like, that? Sherlock Holmes, a self-absorbed yeah. genius person who cannot escape who he is. He's also tormented. Troubled. Yeah. 
I believe, I believe, just from my whole life, Robert Downey Jr. is our age, so yeah. a lifetime of hearing what we hear of him, I believe that is how he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he's had so a lot it's of almost trouble. Like, so I say, it's almost like his role. Um, and Tony Stark in Iron Man is also like his role. You know, he play, when he does play a role like that, where... Chaplin was him. Yeah, I can completely buy him as it. It's good. What I was just thinking about Tropic Thunder. His turn in Tropic Thunder is awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> that was a complete. Um, if if he can do something, I mean that guy he did in Tropic Thunder is nothing like it. Right, he's he's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I've seen bad movies with him in and bad performances. I'm trying to think which ones they were, but I've seen ones where I'm like, don't really like him. Less than zero. Can't, isn't exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but that's way old. That's like... Yeah, it's a long time ago. He's our age, so he would... Well, relative, close to our age, though. I hope he's... You know, like Johnny Depp, who I, I feel that Jack Sparrow's perfect for him. I hope Robert Downey Jr. sticks with... At least we have another one. I mean, we're going to get another one, but... I think he's perfect for it. I don't want them to change him out and use somebody else now. Cause I, I, well, you know, they do. So Robert Downey Jr. might say next year, I'm not doing Iron Man and Sherlock Holmes anymore, and they just drop oh, no, somebody I think else. He's in, I think he puts money into them, if right. I'm not mistaken. But yeah, I, I find him a fantastic Sherlock Holmes. I find him a fantastic Tony Stark. Do you um, think he ever wakes up and just goes, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Why do I make these fucking movies? Yes. Oh, well, I know why. I make millions of dollars. Okay, I've already got millions of dollars. You wake up and today, gotta do costume fitting, gotta do this, gotta go do that, gotta run over these lines. Do you ever think people who we see as, ooh, Robert Downey Jr., that they just have days like... Yeah, everybody has days like that. But I hope they're completely passionate and they love what they're doing. I really do. I, you know, I hope it's not about the money. And it will be for a lot of... There's actors who just live and breathe acting. It's not... The money is just a side effect of being... They're not probably famous. We've probably never heard of them. No. I mean, if you truly don't care, then you will never have... And that's why a lot of the best roles you see in films are the people you don't really know. All the people who we say anonymous famous people who put their heart and soul into roles and you go, wow, he was so good as like nothing. Like I've seen him in 100 things, but But what's his name? Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome as the clerk behind the counter in such a thing. Like, and you know, those are the people who put their heart and soul and don't ever... Guess it's a it's a weird it's a weird world they live in. So Jude Law uh, plays Doctor Watson again. Um, I'm very torn on Jude Law most of the time. I've right. hated him, hated. Like I think, oh yeah. my god, what a self-absorbed asshole! Yeah. Poor acting, too much, too little. Repo men being in, one of those. That he suffered from a not well written movie, yeah, but it wasn't great. He's it wasn't overacting, I think. Yeah, but in this one, I feel like it's a, a, a role made for him. Yeah, there are moments when he drops any Watson at all, and I see him look at you. See him look at Robert Downey Jr. and you think he's thinking seriously. Did he just that wasn't what we? Yeah, th- whatever. I just your moment. You think that I don't know. I could be completely wrong. No, there's but a lot look of at smirk, go, like you seem. There's one moment yeah. when I actually think it wasn't supposed to be. It went. Robert Downey Jr. said or did something, and Jude Law's sitting there, and he stops what he's doing completely. Looks at me, goes, "Is that what we're doing?" Yeah, right? he did, yeah. And I'm thinking, was that like, like, was that planned? So I really like him in this. I feel like they are suited to each other. It's an this. odd pairing, but there again, Holmes and Watson's an odd pairing, mm-hmm. and that's what you want. You want, you know, chalk and cheese. It's it's the What glue. does chalk and cheese mean? It means they don't go together. <laughs> you wouldn't have a chalk and cheese sandwich. Well, neither does wood and jam, but you don't say it's wooden jam. 
Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's a jam and wood combination, oh, right? Shit, a cake with shit, shit filling. <laughs> well, that's actually this one. <laughs> Somebody probably likes that. <laughs> so yeah, I really like him. I think I, yeah, I don't like Jude Law in some things. Sometimes I really like him, but it's really hard for me to say, oh yeah, these are the Jude Law roles I love because. I don't really. AI I thought was good. Yeah, but it's far, few and far between where I'm raving about Jula and want to see him in something. Um, so, moving on. Numi Rapace plays Fantastic. Madame Simza Heron. And she's... If you don't know who Numi Rapace is, you're going to very shortly because she's in the new movie Prometheus, Ridley Scott's Prometheus. She's... She, but who she is, she's from Sweden... And the girl with the dragon tattoo, the original Swedish version, she is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Um, so she's, she's famous in she's Sweden. She's the best thing in this movie, in my opinion. She's absolutely compelling. The way she sits even in silence while they're having dialogue around her. She's eating or drinking a few times. And she fits, I think, like exactly right. I just was some completely... Enamored what I that. really liked about her is, you know, she's a attractive woman and she's the woman character in this movie. Yet she wasn't used in that sexualized way Not at all. all. Like she's nobody was interested in her. Like, yeah. yeah, I like that because you know, in the last movie, Rachel McAdams, she's like yeah. smoldering and you know, and everybody loves her. And in this one, yeah, that's what I really liked about her. They didn't sex her up at all. She's I mean, just she's this, one of those I mean, that you sexy. would say she's a little too clean and perfect for being a gypsy Correct. woman out on the road Correct. and being blown up and but, shot at. But they're not making her all like with a bustier on and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, because she makes it, you feel like she's a gypsy woman, that they've yeah. an actress that they found gypsying around or whatever. I really, at first I was like, what, what, what's going on here? This is a bit too... Well, it's a Hollywooded gypsy version, obviously. I would have liked her to be a bit grimier, but overall, I was just like, I want to see more of this young woman. Like, totally. And then Rachel McAdams returns to reprise the role of Irene Adler, um, who is literally, like, in the books, mm-hmm. um, Holmes' top woman. And she's back in here, and uh, she's just as good as she was last time. Didn't really see a change, it's just, you know? yeah. Um, and then Jared Harris plays Moriarty really well. Very well. Um, I like the Moriarty in the Sherlock series on BBC One better because I feel like he does feel really threatening, the one in Sherlock on BBC. This guy feels... He doesn't feel as threatening as that guy, even though he does feel threatening for this movie. Because this movie's got a lighter tone to it. Like it was said, it's more jokey-jokey, sometimes comedy. I know Moriarty in this movie does not do... He, he never really goes to the funny route, does he? Oh, no. But still... Not even once. Because this movie's got a lighter tone, I don't feel as threatened by the bad guy, even. Because I know Sherlock's going to quip or something. something I disagree. Because his thing is never... It's never the now game. It's the tomorrow game. And so there's nothing now that he It's implemented by chess, because... Well, I mean, oh, I mean somebody I mean, who's really good at playing chess uh, plays ten moves ahead, I mean, the and that's game. what Moriarty does. Yeah, so in the moment... He doesn't need to be threatening. He don't, you don't need to feel like he's going to give you an evil eye like the guy in the TV show or anything. Because all you have to know is he has plotted and planned and is planning constantly the end of you. And that's what's threatening about him. He's totally calm. He is Sherlock Holmes, but the the, ver- the bad version. So hey, I found, and I didn't write the guy's name down, but he has a henchman in this movie, Moriarty. Mm. And that henchman I found threatening all the time. Because he was like, like a hound dog, 
Like yeah, he yeah. will, he will literally pursue you until you're until the death. You yeah, know, he he'll just scary. keep coming, like you know. And the scene with the sniper rifle and the tower, yeah. amazing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't want to give that yeah, away, yeah. but that scene was just... I was I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, so, also we have here, Stephen Fry returns as Mycroft Holmes, um, Sherlock's Very brother. Very good. Yeah. Really... I think he is who he is. Yeah, he and is. And if he had his choice, I think that Stephen Fry would get in BBC's time machine and live during the Victorian era. Oh, I totally think he's from there, uh, <laughs> just in our time. I think Absolutely. he did come. I think that he, as long as he was very wealthy... And didn't have to be you know, living. I like that Stephen Fry in the muck hates in the like TV and movies and He's all on that. He's on TV. He is, but he he only goes on TV if he can educate somebody in some way. I, I've seen interviews with him. He doesn't have a TV. He only reads books. Um, he thinks people are stupider now. They should do more of you know live like him. I like that. But he does appear in a movie like Sherlock Holmes, which is like you could say a sellout. But maybe he feels then again, like, Sherlock Holmes does what it is. Yep, partially and he p- is. fits perfectly. Oh yeah, I mean the kid, there's no denying. Uh, and then lastly, I put down Eddie Marsden as Inspector Lestrade. But I mean, it's very brief. Yeah, Eddie Marsden was a huge part of the first movie. I think he'll return. It's a very my, small my part of prediction. The, uh, yeah, he even gets insulted. Oh, I just thought another recommendation. They even insult him in this movie, (laughs) in the very small part that he's in. So Yeah, but I really like Eddie Marsden, and I really want to see him back. Marsden or Marsden? Marsden. Oh, right. So um, we got uh, Guy Ritchie as the director. Guy Ritchie, you all... Well, most people don't know Guy Ritchie from Sherlock Holmes movies, but before Sherlock Holmes, he did have a life as a director. And also um, famously married to Madonna. Divorced from Madonna. Um, So... He did Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, his first movie. An amazing movie. You should go and see it. It's really good. Um, and then he did Snatch. Go and see it? Where do you reckon that would be showing? To so the video store. You mean like get out of the car right now, wherever you <laughs> yeah. are, and get out of your cubicle, go home and watch it. And go to the VHS store and rent the tape. <laughs> and then rewind it when you're finished. Um, Snatch, he also did. He also did Swept Away, which is the only guy Richie movie I've never seen. That's the one he did with Madonna. Well, he, he directed Madonna in. I do feel like I need to see it, because I do like his work. He did Revolver, which is awesome. Most people hated Revolver. I think that the story is genius. It's got one of those... Mess with your head kind yeah, of stories. Like, oh, uh, there is a moment where you sit back and go, oh, really? Like that. Like a... What do you call that? Like a on-its-head moment. Uh, and then Rock and Roller, which was his most recent one, which was another good crime caper. I don't think it was great. I think it was all right. Mm-hmm. Um, did have one of the best chase sequences, actually, on foot chase sequences I, I've ever seen, though. Um, so, yeah, I love Guy Ritchie's work. I think he's really grown up now. He's Mr. Hollywood now, isn't he? He's not small, lock, stock and smoking barrels dude anymore, is he? Will he ever make a crime thriller like that anymore? I, I don't know. Is he just going to get offered bigger and bigger things? Because he does a good job with this, you know? He doesn't... He came from nothing. He's like an indie director. I mean, lock, stock and smoking barrels looks like it costs... 20 quid to make. Not nothing. I mean, cheap. It's yeah. a cheap movie. You're not nothing if he can afford that. So. No, um, but what I mean is he was... Nobody knew who he was. That that was the movie that shot him to fame. Um, I like him. I hope he makes more movies. I'd like to see him do more smaller projects sometimes, because I know he does a good job of those too. But he probably won't now. 
mean, when you do, getting, they ever remake Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking There's no need to. Is it? I'm not saying there's a need so to. Good. I'm saying, do you think you ever will? No. Some say Snatch. You didn't give that any thought. Some like. say Snatch <laughs> is a remake of Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. I disagree, but some mm-hmm. say it is. Um, Thought it was a continuation. Not really. It's kind of hmm. similar, not really. Um, so, extras on this Blu-ray. It's a two-disc set, ultraviolet DVD, and uh, the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray it doesn't have a ton of extras, but then it does at the same time. Yes. It has the maximum movie mode, which we've talked about before. I think it's the best. The maximum movie mode is something that uh, Warner Brothers do. It's all extras wrapped up in one. You watch they only the movie do it. again. It's, there's not a list of extras. There's the maximum movie mode. And this time it's hosted by Robert Downey Jr. So if you like Robert Downey Jr., you'll like... Because he's being cheeky. In That's the... a little annoying. No, I kind of like it because it adds some... Sometimes. I think he's talking down to you, like, constantly. I think Guy Ritchie did that. Like, are you stupid enough to sit and watch this movie again I and have me talk about it? No, I actually think that's no, what I he think thinks. No, I think that's just funny. No, I think that's what he thinks. Like, seriously? Okay, whatever. I'll talk about it. I mean, I really See, think I thought that's... that was hilarious where he said, you're probably sick or something on the couch watching this. I thought that was really funny. Um, I think Guy Ritchie did the maximum movie mode for the first movie, if you go and buy the first Blu-ray. So it's interesting to have... You know, Robert Downey Jr. for a change. But yeah, the maximum movie mode's awesome. I think it should be the thing yeah. that all Blu-rays have. Because it's... You just sit and watch the movie again, and instead of watching the movie, you get everything. That Seems you buy. easy enough. They stand in front of a green screen. Yeah. They talk, they've they got a screen, probably a monitor in front of them, where they're watching, like a big screen or whatever, where they're watching the movie. And they just say, and here, we're doing this, whatever. And then they have a lot of picture-in-picture, Documentary style. he goes away... And then you just see behind the scenes that aren't explained or anything, which is good. You're just seeing them Interviews make the scene, maybe an alternate version of the scene or whatever. And then he reappears and then says, oh, and here's the funny thing that we did with, or this is the reason we did this or that. Oh, I, I just get- think it must be so easy to do. It's yeah. Like- I mean, it takes a bit more effort than just grabbing a lot of press materials and putting them on a disc, which is what most people seem to do. It does take some doing. They have to do it. That's why I think it's not on everything. But I like it better because it's like a presentation rather than just oh, here's a list of things. What can we see? Like you know, I, I like it better. So yeah, I think it. I think it's really good. I think you should sit and watch it again. I will this week and see everything behind the scenes. What are you going to watch it on? I uh, don't know. So <laughs> something that we might talk about later. So uh, might. <laughs> in conclusion, on this Blu-ray, excellent, excellent sound and picture as usual with Warner Brothers stuff. I really recommend... Had a couple of moments of sound that got a little bit too loud compared to other things. It was like really stand out, so be prepared. Right, it is pretty ah. boom-bastic, let's say. I mean, there's explosions. When the music started playing over the loudspeaker, that was like, whoa, that was way too much. Like, they just cranked that up too high, but other than that... Yeah, it's it's a good uh, presentation. Um, I, I, uh... If you liked the first movie, it's really... You've got to have this one. You know? Or just rent it and watch it. It's a good set. It's a good set for to have, I think. Um, to have both of them. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the first one, and I've heard a lot of people this week say, I never watched the first one. I'm just going to watch the second one. I think you'll want to watch this, the first one if you watch this one first. I think you'll want to go back and see. I think you should watch the first one because, it, as you said, this it is on a bigger scale. The threat is on a bigger scale. So if you go back and watch the first one second, yeah, it it'll might seem feel less a bit intimidating. Le- yeah, yeah. yeah. It might feel a bit... It's also the production value of the first one. It obviously did not have as much money spent on it. 
it all takes place in one little area. There is a lot of CG in the first one too, but yeah, this one just feels big because it goes on location. And the person is Mark Strong, who's quite it does sexy and a, and a favorite of Guy Ritchie. Yeah. So um, yeah, in conclusion, I recommend recommend. I think you should see Sherlock Holmes. It's really fun. What did you think about Thor? Uh, we also watched Thor this week on Blu-ray. Um, I liked Thor. Me too. If I had any complaints about Thor, and I really liked it, is I didn't want it to go to the our world. Right. I just wanted it to be on Asgard and, and its surrounding places. Or that other, yeah, or the other place, yeah, the frozen all the, all the god uh, worlds, but not our world, because we're kind of boring. We've seen us. I want to see them. I want to see what creatures are on each one. Like. I don't know, though, because it gives you the... Con- the, I, the, 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 the it puts it in context, the size of things, you know, the size of that robot guy, and then puts in your mind more about the the, the power that they have. Because right. when you see them fighting each other in Asgard or on that frozen place, you just, you kind of go, okay, well, they're pretty powerful and stuff. Look at that, look at that. Big giant guy, frozen dude, blah, blah, blah. But when they come here... And then you see the size and the scope, and we're so nothing, and their powers just knock the shit out of us. That gives me, then I feel more threatened by these beings that could be out in different realms or whatever. So I like that they come here. However, we do seem sort of like nothing when you compare us to all these amazing, I know Captain America, he's like a, you know, human, normal. Yep pumped up kind of human or whatever, super but soldier. when you come from another planet and you're like super powerful and then you come here and you decide to protect humans, I just think, why? <laughs> just yeah. let, just just let whoever come and knock the shit out of us. <laughs> like, what do we have other than our little personalities and all that it's stuff? usually the, the girl, Sentimentality isn't it? and like our whatever set of values that you seem to be attracted to, like the Transformers, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that... So right. I didn't mind that, but I would like to have seen other... I don't want to just see their world. I don't want to see just Asgard. I get it. Like, yeah. you see, it's all Amazing. Know, grand and a little bit too gold for me, but... Oh, that's what I liked. Yeah, but it looks all too too CGI, because it didn't look enough like a I solid I thought it place. looked incredible the entire time. I was, it did look incredible, that, but it didn't look like a real kind of place that would exist. It looked very cartoony to me. Right, which I guess what is what I liked. I liked that it looked comic bookish, you know, like... Um, but then the contrast of real world and that, it was made it too fake looking. So I wanted it to be a little more grounded. It was a very Green Lantern world Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I really like it. And I've liked all these Marvel movies so far. I'm looking forward to The Avengers, which we will review in a few months when it comes out. But that made me more excited to see The Avengers, because now I'm like, oh wow, I know, I know all of this. Here's a genius thing to wrap them all up. So like we'll this. be getting the Black Widow and Hawkeyes... Or were they? We're gonna, we're gonna learn about them when it comes in to the, the Avengers. Avengers. Oh. Yeah, they are part of the Avengers, but no, they're not having separate movies as far as um, anything's going on. In fact, they're going to be going to do another Iron Man and another Hulk apparently, because Mike Ruffalo Hulk needs his own Hulk. Yeah. No. Now we get three Hulks. Yeah, they love the Hulk, don't they? Four. Don't forget Lou Ferrigno giving a hundred and ten percent. I forgot about him. No. <laughs> Come on, we can't let celebrity apprentice us. A celebrity Apprentice. Lou Ferrigno was on A Celebrity Apprentice, and he kind of seemed like a bit of a knob. And so we don't want to erase our lovely memories of a childhood Incredible Hulk, because it was awesome. So uh, well. off topic, a little uh, thanks, sir, uh, Warner Brothers, for the Blu-ray for Sherlock Holmes. And How's that off topic? It's a movie we watched. No, I'm saying it's off topic with the Sherlock Holmes oh, right. review. And uh, 
I want to say um, thanks to Warner for the Blu-ray, and next week's Blu-ray review will be Man on a Ledge. Right. And it is 90 minutes of a man stood on a ledge. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But Man on a Ledge will be next week's Blu-ray review. Um, you can enter a contest, go to com. can actually win Man on a Ledge on Blu-ray. If you hear his voice getting louder, it's because he's hearing loud thunder. And that might, you might be able to hear that in the background. So I you can, can win. see it on the thing, on the audacity. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you probably will be able to. It's just, there's a storm going on. Um, so yeah, you can win Man on a Ledge on Blu-ray. Go to com. click on the contest. There's a few contest run-ins. Have a look what is available and you can enter US only. No, US and Canada only. Um, anything else? No. Movie game. So what's the movie game? The movie game is movie memory, one, two, three. And that means one of us says to the other, hey, name a movie, name three movies that have blah, blah, blah in them. And what? There's nothing there when I highlight them. You just change the color. Oh, how'd you do that? Oh, right. Hold on. Um, And then the other person has to think from their own memory, three movies that have that element to them. So, this week, your job, you just got to select it. We're talking about this file that we have on the computer. Which, need, it's not very streamlined. We need to It'll think of fine. a different way for that, don't we? No, I'll just fix it. There you go. All right, so movie memory one, two, three. Uh, your, my question to you is, and you can play along at home, <laughs> Movies, three movies set in Victorian England. There's a lot. There are, and I've listed a few down. But there are, you know... You're right off the top of my head, because I think of hats, top hats, top hats. And in fact, probably my recommendations, right, are probably all that. But right. I won't use my recommendations. Right off the top of my head. Oh, I may be wrong, though, about the time period. I think uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Correct. Because I think of Gary Ullman walking toward the camera with his top hat and that tie. The opening the, of that movie is, is in Victorian England. The rest of it is in Transylvania. But yeah, the opening is. Oh, right. Is but, it? Yeah, it oh, starts, right. in, starts in England, moves to Transylvania. Comes back, though, because they're in her garden and her house. Yeah, and right at the very end, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it does take place there. Um, so another one like Bram Stoker. What's another one? Well, uh, I won't use my recommendations. There are I might a lot. have to. I'm going to say, I think it's one of my recommendations, though. Don't look at the answers. No, I'm looking at my recommendations. Okay, I'm going to use them. Mary Riley, which is a take on uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Definitely during that time, isn't it? It's really mucky and dirty, and the men all wear top hats. I've never seen it, so I don't know. And they got, like, the medical theater where all the men, they're just on the verge of doing, like, medical science. So that's why... Hyde slash Jekyll is doing these experiments on himself. I'm pretty sure. Mary Riley. Oh, it's got uh, Julia Roberts in it. And The Prestige. Isn't that about that time frame? When he's yeah. doing the magic yeah, it is. with Christian Bale? So All right, let's see. And I'll give you some more. Jack the Ripper. Oh, of course. Is that Victorian? Yeah, totally. That's when it happened. Right. Um, A Christmas Carol. Oh. Or any Dickens thing. <laughs> yes. The Elephant Man. Also Victorian England. Right, late eight night, right now. Around the world in eighty days. Also Victorian England. So Victorian England, if anyone doesn't know, I looked it up before. It's from eighteen thirty seven to nineteen oh one. Correct. So there you go. So yeah. And there are a lot it's There are a, lots. They were it's just a fascinating turn of the world kind of time frame in real history. 
everything changed. We might think the 20th century, but the invention of all that shit coming around, airplanes and cars and machines and factories and all that stuff happened in that time frame so so my uh, movie recommendations for this week I'm going one the first one's not a movie but it's BBC's version of Sherlock which I highly recommend you go recent and, yeah the new one you go and see it it's only two seasons long and the two seasons is only six it's three episodes for each season but there are like little movies right um, how the very last episode we saw ended was mm-hmm. amazing you just have to watch it to get to that point and go oh my god really um, it's really good. Uh, it's coming back again, but in a few years because because oh. um, Martin Freeman's doing The Hobbit. Oh right. So you know, and Sherlock dude is doing Star Trek. You know, they've got right. to be Hollywood guys for a while. So yeah, it will come back hopefully in a couple of years. But it's horrible cliffhanger to leave it on for two <laughs> years because now you remember, don't you? you? Go, oh yeah, I really want to know what happened. It's not really a cliffhanger. Well, it's it's a well, wow, what happens yeah. <laughs> next? How? <laughs> Kind yeah. Of thing. So um, yeah, Sherlock the TV series. If you love the Sherlock, these Sherlock Holmes movies, I, I think you should go back and see those. Um, they're on BBC America as well. And the other one is National Treasure, and this is just based on like a movie where you find clues and go to other things, and this, yeah. it leads down this trail, you know. Less intellectual. More Less intellectual, but it plays it for laughs like this sure. does, and it feels adventurous. It's not the greatest thing, but I do like the yeah, National Treasure movies. Yeah, and I do feel they have like a. And you have a thing for Nicolas Cage, good or for good or for better or for worse. You like Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I do. Not <laughs> always, but I do. Even when he's being stupid and hokey, you know, I just think there's nobody else really does what he does. Well, now, he does like, a lot of shit. Well, what weird. I mean is like he's like Mr. Hollywood megastar, yet he will do shitty movies like. I mean, I don't know if he thinks they're shitty movies, but <laughs> he's kind of a B-movie actor and an A-list guy at the same time, which and is hard to pull off. the only movie that you can think of that was an A-list movie, maybe two of them. Leaving Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas and, in my opinion, The Weatherman. And in my opinion, A-list movie, big, huge, you know, huge movies. Con Air, Face Or, off. what's the other one with the conning? Not Con Air, but... Um, yeah, fantastic. Match, matchstick Match, man. Matchstick man. Very yeah. good. I mean, he's made, he made, he's a fantastic actor, but then he's also this B-movie kind he of... He does do, like, everything. Yeah, yeah, and there's nobody really who does that. Because they usually, like, go, no, I'm too credible for that. I can't do that. But no, he'll do Ghost Rider. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'll do... Yeah, but do you think he's just easily convinced because of a big fat paycheck and maybe the producers coming to him and say, hey, baby, hey, baby, Nick, baby, this is going to be the next big thing. Do you really think they call him Nick the Baby? <laughs> Somebody in Hollywood still does a Hey, Nick Baby. Put the hand on the round the shoulder. Listen to me. Ghost Rider, it's the next big thing, baby. It's the next big thing. I think he likes money. I've heard that. Um, but he manages to pull off the... Oh, like he does like five, six movies where it's like really... Uh, God, cringed kind of movies. And then he'll do a movie and you'll go, Oh my God, he's a good actor. Nobody really does that. They're usually just either garbage or good, right? Yeah. He's like this everything. So that's why I like him. Um, he might be crazy. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, what are your recommendations? Mine are, as I said, Mary Riley. Because I actually really liked that movie when I saw it. I have no idea what the quality is now, but it has Malkovich and um, Julia Roberts. He's the Jekyll Hyde guy. She's like the housemaid. So she gets sort of drawn into his 
evilness. And uh, Glenn Close, I believe, is in there. I right. get her head chopped off at one point, so to watch it. I really liked it. It was creepy and muddy and smell like I could feel like it smelled really bad all the time. <laughs> Maybe because she was the cleaning woman and had to clean all the time. And it just felt really grubby. And the Prestige, which we discussed, Christopher Nolan, really fantastic. good. It was really good. It was like really compelling and and of course one of my favorites, which I recommend probably six times a year: League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Also in Victorian England. And because the bad guy is. Moriarty. Yes, yes. So, you know, Dor- Dorian Gray's and there's all kinds of yeah. stuff in there. Like it's like a hodgepodge of everything you can yep. imagine. Tom Sawyer. Yep. Dorian it's really Gray. cool, isn't it? I'll, I'll, yep. It's an overlooked movie, I think. Oh, it's, and it's fantastic. It's got Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, it's yeah. all wrapping together. Yeah, everything is in there. <laughs> like Victorian. Oh, every Victorian. Good thing. and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't think of Huckleberry Finn being from Victorian age, but it definitely was late eighteen hundreds. So to me, League of Makes, and I hope they never remake it, but I would love them to revisit it and maybe add some more characters, but keep some of the same guys. Speaking of Lockstock, one of the Jekyll. Yeah, he's in guy. there, isn't he? Yep. Jason, I forget his name. Yeah, he's he's the. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, it's on the verge of big mega CGI and yet they use practical a lot of practical they use it miniatures it was right at the start of the big blockbuster mm-hmm. movies wasn't it and they used so many in camera effects and they used a suit instead of a CGI hulky guy which we were boggled by if you watch the DVD of that <laughs> or the Blu-ray and they show you the extras we couldn't actually believe no because as you're watching it you're just thinking that's a fantastic CGI, CGI guy you don't think it's bad no and then you realize this because it's a dude in a suit there's no CGI at all on no. this thing it's just a man in a big bulky suit which and then like the car chase is miniatures and it looks fantastic yeah. and the city because they go to Venice you know with the catch canals like and it's amazing it's like I've, I could watch it and it's got the uh, underwater guy with the yep. submarine what's, his, what's the name of it I forget like Jules Verne the, the 20,000 Leagues Under yeah. the Sea guy, but in his machine that's yeah. like mega futuristic, but it's still... And it's just... Jules Verne, right? If you've the ne- guy who wrote the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It's not him in the movie. No, it's the guy... Captain Nemo. Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's a it's a extraordinary. It is. <laughs> it's, it's like... And it's, 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 got it's like the Connery. greatest hits of Victorian literature. Like, that makes it sound really cheap, but it's no, quite good. Sean Connery's in it. Another one of those good, bad, don't know for sure. You can say what you want about him, but I don't think he's great. No. He is what he is. He's a great James Bond. <laughs> Alright, so games and A Scully stuff this week. I've been playing Lollipop Chainsaw, which is Suda 51's new. And if you don't know who Suda 51 is, he made the games No More Heroes. Suda 51. Killer is a 7. Yes, that's a person. He made No More Heroes, Killer 7. Um, Shadows of the Damned. He makes... He's a Japanese guy. Um, irreverent. Uh, irreverent. That's not a word. Irreverent? Irreverent. Um, video games. Okay. Um, based in pop culture. He's a big fan of, like, the Evil Dead movies and... Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is very obvious. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, just... Because this girl is a zombie slayer. Yeah, so Lollipop Chainsaw is the story of Juliet Starling, a cheerleader who goes to Romero High um, School, and one day she goes to school. (laughs) Are you feeling the fear of the lightning crashes outside? One day she goes to school and there's been a zombie outbreak. Ah. And um, 
she runs into the school, kills a bunch of zombies, gets to the uh, fountain where she was going to meet her boyfriend, Nick. And he's been bit by a zombie. And she says to him, while he's dying, there, you don't have to die, there's another way. She chops off his head with a chainsaw and wears him on her belt. What'd she do to his neck to keep him alive? She stuck some... It looks like she stuck a plastic bag and a rubber band around it. Um, and then he was able to remain alive. <laughs> but before she cuts his head off, she tells him that she's always been a, a zombie killer. Her whole family are. She just yeah. kept it a secret from him. So she knows. Yeah. Once you've been bitten, you can yeah. chop off your head and now, you're going to be so okay. So she wears Nick, Nick's head on her skirt and it, it just so happens he's round the back of her skirt so he's always looking up her skirt which is like a joke throughout the whole game mm. um, and it's very cheeky and lots of foul language yeah there's a actual it's, it's fun and there's a boss in the game that actually uses curse words as a weapon I don't know if you saw that uh, He when he shouts the word he shouts cocksucker at one point the word cocksucker is the missile that comes at you so you got to dodge it. And he, he gets increase of, increasingly vile the more he... You know, cocksucker's, the, cocksucker's not bad compared to the rest of the things <laughs> he says. Um, but I've never... You know, it's quite inventive, like, because these words come, like, cartoon, like, screaming out at you, you know, and they get bigger as they come out. Um, there's a level that's... You go into a, a zombie-infested arcade, like Sega World, one of these multi-layered arcades, and each level of the arcade is like Suda's tribute to a old video game so Juliet will be in a Pac-Man machine and she'll be running around a Pac-Man maze but the Pac-Man are zombies or it'll be elevator action or it'll be Pong at one point you're in a Pong machine <laughs> so it's tribute to everything and it's written the actual dialogue was written by James Gunn who is a famous Hollywood scriptwriter. Um, he did he's done some horror stuff I think Saw was one of them but he's like a you know, uh, the pseudo normally writes his own dialogue and it comes across really Japanesey. So this is all written by this American screenwriter. So it's it's the less the least Japanese pseudo fifty one game you you will play. Uh, it's really fun. The only complaints I have is it's really short, five hours long to get to the end. But you can see that he's kind of made it so you'll play through it again and get a better score because it's like score attack mode where you can do it faster and better and get a better combo. And you level up her as you go through the game. And her best moves are only unlocked after you've got enough money to right. buy the moves. So I reckon playing it through several times would feel different. Because you'd have better moves as you go through. Um, it's really fun. I'm a big fan of Suda51, so I really like it. But I've seen it get slated all week. What the hell is this? We don't understand it. Why is, why is it? Why is this? Why is that? You know? You have to get You just him. like to go the flow. And I think you have to get where he's coming from. He likes to just... Everything that he likes, put that in his game, even if it doesn't make sense. Like in Shadows of the Dam, there was an Evil Dead level. The actual cabin from Evil Dead suddenly appeared. But doesn't that make sense in his world? It may, it may, but some people are like, oh, it's just too jarring. It's like reference after reference after reference. Mm. And that is what it is. But you recognize all the references, and it's fun. You're like, oh, yeah, he's talking about that. He's talking about, and this, this has the greatest soundtrack. When you use your special move, she's a cheerleader, obviously, so... Let me just give what, them a sample. What song? Hey, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Yeah, so that's hey, the Nikki. song when you're kicking ass. Like, I mean, 
um, there's a level where You Spin Me Right Round by Dead or Alive oh, is yeah. the song, you know. And there's lots of licensed music in there. Joan Jet Cherry Bomb is the title screen music. Um, it's really fun. I, I it, It's hard to recommend because it's so weird. It's vile a lot. You don't want young kids or young No, boys it's really playing. vile and it's really weird. But you know that's what you're going to get. You're a grown you man. Yeah. And you don't have a wife around who's going to go, Jesus, could you turn that down? That chainsaw's driving me fucking crazy. <laughs> Literally. Ugh. So, yeah, play it's it on your own. Put your I mean, I mean on. it's not a great game. It's actually a good game. It's not Suda's best game, because I, I really like it's fun. No More Heroes. I think that might be the pinnacle of his game so far, anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's fun. Uh, and the other game I've been playing this week is Gravity Rush on the PlayStation Vita. Now this is you saw me playing it. It's uh, the girl cat who mm, yeah. can control gravity. It's really good. Um, I've not got tons of time in with it this week, so I'll talk about it more next week. I've also been playing Hot Shots Golf on the PS Vita because it was in the sale. Uh, a lot of these Vita games have been knocked down to twenty dollars at the moment, so you want to have a look around Best Buy and Amazon. They've got them cheap. So um, Hot Shots Golf, it's a Japanese golf game. It's really fun. It's like Tiger Woods, but Golf games, there's something about them, isn't there, on video? Fun. Games, it's simple. If it's done well. Yeah, it's hard like to tennis. master. Like tennis. If it's done... I don't like basketball games or football no, games. No, me neither. For some reason, tennis... Golf's fine. And golf. Because there's some little bit of skill involved. If and you... there's something non-offensive. I can just pick up a golf... I'm worried now about my plants. It's really storming outside. I, I can just pick up a golf game, and it's um, non-offensive. I'm not killing anything. I'm just... It's relaxing. It seems, you know, it's bright skies, there's birds flying around. <laughs> it kind of relaxes. So you, you're a zombie killer with a chainsaw and then you go off and play golf yeah, for five to minutes. Yeah, to calm down. Um, so, yeah, that's me for games this week. Uh, I also watched a movie this week uh, called Indie Game the Movie. I-N-D-I-E Game the Movie. Go to IndieGameTheMovie.com. You can purchase the movie. Or you can go on Steam and buy the movie. First movie ever to be available on Steam, by the way. Because it makes sense, doesn't it, really? It's mm-hmm. for gamers. But it's the story of uh, some indie developers making games over the course of a couple of years. And it covers everything from them conceiving ga- the games to the release day of the games. It goes all the way through, follows them. And it's really, really entertaining, really enthralling. Um, you see some of the Microsoft... like Because these guys are putting this game out, and the game is called um, Super Meat Boy. A lot of people will know it. And it became a million... It sold a couple of million units in the end, so they became millionaires from this game. But these dudes were just two dudes writing a game in the bedroom. They didn't have any money. They borrowed money. They made this game over the course of this time. They become millionaires. It's not to spoil it, but the Yeah. Because you'll know what Super Meat Boy is when they're talking about it. And then the guy who made Fez is also in here. But these are guys who make these games and then put them on Xbox Live Arcade, and they happen to be huge hits. There are games every week on Xbox Live Arcade from indie developers that do nothing. So these are the extraordinary ones. But it's you don't see people writing games, how hardcore it is. I mean, you heard the guy talking. Yeah, they're a little overly dramatic for me, these boys. They were so whiny. Oh, my God. I mean, they put themselves in the position. I liked... And every time I turned around, they're talking about how hard it is and how the deadlines are... Oh, and just at one point, we thought we're going to die while we're making it. It's like, seriously... Five you years chose, in the bedroom. Yeah, but you chose to do it. They did, but they didn't think Good it would last. The, the whole story was they thought they could write the game in a year. When they looked at the concept on the paper and then they said to each other, how is this going to happen? Said a year, that would be done. Like, it's not that complicated. 
but it got complicated. It got so complicated that at one point, one of the guys just said, I don't like the art anymore, let's do it again. Right. Like, redraw everything. Because what I knew a year ago, I know so much more now, it would look better if I drew everything again, and he ended up drawing the entire game, every single picture. Right, then again, that's their choice. And so then that turnaround of, uh, just, just every time I listened in, it was just about, I liked the parts about how they talked about what inspires them to make video games. Sounded like to me they were all very lonely, little, isolated children with lots of family problems and a little super sensitive about everything. And so being alone in their room and doing the programming is sort of their thing. And that the way they communicate with the world is to write these video games and it gets out all of their fears and their hang-ups and their idiosyncrasies and stuff. But then that thing about, oh, oh it's so... It's just like the, the part I did love is when it gets down to launch day. Now, how video game Xbox Live games work is on a Tuesday, uh, Wednesday morning they go up on Xbox Live and I can turn on my console and buy the game and play it. So they get real-time feedback on that. Microsoft phone them up and say, this is how many you've sold this hour, this is that. And that day is documented. So in the morning, it doesn't work very well because Microsoft forget to put the main picture up on the on the screen. So the guy was saying, this is just like you having to go into a store, because you can get it, but it's right behind the scenes, going into a store and saying, have you got such a movie? And they go, oh, it's in the back. You have to ask and then look in the back, like it's not in the storefront. So that happens for hours where it's not in the storefront and it's not selling. Then when it does go on the storefront, you see over the hours it just, oh, we've sold a 1,000. We've sold 10,000. You know, it... Yeah, but there was a lot of hype about it's it before, very exciting. as well. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it wasn't was a, like an unknown thing. They hyped it themselves. Yeah. Like, on their Twitter and, you know, for years and years, taking it around the unfinished build at these conferences and stuff. Exactly. But the, you could feel the excitement in the documentary. It comes across of, you know, the guy saying, like, somebody tweeted... The day before they, it goes on sale, a guy tweeted me today and said, do you realize tomorrow you will be a millionaire or more. Nobody can really say, but we know, somebody from Microsoft said, we know from from Buzz and stuff that you will sell this amount. There's no way you want. How do they know? Just from, you know. Yeah, there's no way. Companies. There's no way. Trending and, and the guys, he said it just messed with his head. He was sat in his bedroom going. How much were they? How much was it? What? The game. To buy. Um, $15. Right. Not even an expensive game, but he said, like, they were sat in the bedroom. They, the guy was, you know, both of them, the guy lives with his girlfriend and the guy lives on his own. They were just average people with debts up to their eyeballs. And and they, and they were just sat there going, tomorrow things will be very different financially. Or it could all go wrong. But as, as, or it can't go wrong, there's just nothing will change. You might get, <laughs> you might get less, but so happened that, you know. No matter what, you're going to have more. Well, at the, yeah, at the end of the at the end of the uh, movie, it says Super Meat Boy sold one million units up to this date, and that movie was made quite some time ago. Now Super Meat Boy's on all platforms. It's not just on Xbox. It's well, on so it PC. didn't sound to me like they were working or doing anything else because they talked about how no, the money they quit was everything to up. do it. Yeah, so yeah. they didn't have to go to work every day. They just well, they definitely portrayed the excitement of the whole thing and the horrible. Like, they deal with Phil Fish, who's the guy who made Fez. And he had a partner. They started writing the game. The partner, something happened. They don't really say. Partner doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. 
there's this ugly divorce going on in court throughout the entire documentary between Phil and this other guy. And they keep showing you this other guy blurred out and all all Phil needs is this signature to he can show the game at this conference, right? And this is what he's dealing with and He's like, it's the night before the conference. Microsoft have given him all this money to create a booth to display the game. You know, with Fez artwork and the actual... I don't know what Fez is. It's, so. a, it's, a, little, it's a game. A, a, a popular game, actually. But Microsoft give him all this money to make this booth and he, he sent him to this convention, and Penny Arcade Expo. And he's putting up the booth himself because he's just him. And he's screwing it all together and he's like, I'm putting this up, but if I don't get this signature on this paper before tomorrow I, I can't display this game I have to take all this down and go home like then he's like manager guy comes in and he's like you know I think we've got the guy's signature and you can see the relief on this guy you know you can tell that this sure. is not it's just like you can show this game to people because he was protesting this other guy saying and, and there's this heartfelt moment where Phil Fish turns to the camera and says all this guy needs to do and I hate this guy. I would kill this guy if he was in this room with me now. Oh, my God. All he needs to do, and he was like, you could see he was so pent up and worked up. He said, is shut up, go away, I will make him millions of dollars. He's nothing to do with this project. He's going to become a millionaire. Just go away. Leave me alone. But no, he insists. Sounds like a Facebook drama, doesn't it? Yeah. Somewhere yeah. along the line, they're connected. And someone had a little spark of inspiration that the other person may or may not have ran with. Right. But if you didn't have that first spark from that other person... Obviously, they signed something yeah. at the beginning, and then he, this guy just was dragging his feet, and he wanted to get on with it. But yeah, it's a really interesting look behind the scenes of making games. You don't get that kind of look behind the scenes. Uh, it might be a little bit biased, I think, but you should give it a look. It's $10. You can also get it on iTunes and stuff now, apparently, but it's all over the place. Indie Games, the movie. And lastly, what happened to our TV this week? I don't remember. Convergence board went out or something. So we, I'm watching TV. We've Why got, did you ask me? I don't know what it is. <laughs> we've got like a eight-year-old, fifty-one-inch Sony rear projection TV in the living room, and I'm watching it. I'm actually, no, I actually went turned it on to play Lollipop Chainsaw, and all of a sudden the screen became pink and green, and it kind of looked weird, like fish tank. Yeah, I called it like Vice City Vision. It looked like everything was from the 80s it in It was like 3D, because it was double, <laughs> triple vision with green and pink, and the edges were like super magnified. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, watching it like that kind of made you feel sick a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. So, But we did for two days. We did. And then we, we went, went and bought got a new... A new well, I went and bought a new TV. I spent a little less money than I did on that one, so I figured I did pretty good for a bigger TV. Including the uh, stand, had to buy a stand for it. Yeah, we had all kinds of dramas this week. We got a stand for the TV, we were going to make the stand when we got home. <laughs> the stand has three sheets of instructions, you know, flat pack furniture, three sheets of instructions that you follow. Well, we had sheet two twice and then <laughs> sheet three, so no sheet one. Sheet one was happens to be the most important one when we... Correct. With You know, so... We had, had to wait to. till the next day. I I called the manufacturer actually over in New Jersey or New Virginia or somewhere. And then <laughs> Very they, different. They and the lady it. just goes, oh, "Okay, hold on, hun. Okay, is it there? Is it in your email?" It was literally and ten was like, seconds, yep. and we had. <laughs> yeah. So we put that together. The new TV. So that was standard the, furniture company. In case anyone, you know, I, not any, not everyone loves the concept of buying your furniture and piecing it together. Of course, we all would prefer to have all handmade. 
very nice, elegant furniture, but you know what? Not all of us can afford it. Yeah, and it wasn't like $20 or anything, but it is what it is. Like, I needed a thing to put the TV on, and that was it. So we bought the new TV. So we got a 60-inch sharp, aqueous TV. What I really like about it a lot is it has um, all the streaming and everything that we used to have a dedicated PC to do. The TV or the Wii or whatever else devices we had to have. The TV handles all of it. The TV's got Netflix. It's a smart TV, so it's got Netflix and Voodoo and YouTube. And it'll just, you can plug a USB stick with any file on and it'll play it. Or you can stream across your network to it. Makes life so much easier than having boxes and remote controls. I'm not going to say it makes life easier. It is just a television. Oh, I mean, makes life. Uh, <laughs> makes our entertainment, life yeah. More, more our easy. moments of when you sit down to watch something, and yeah. I always wanted to watch Netflix, but I end up watching on my laptop all the time because I just get sick of fucking around with stuff. Sit different down, remotes, get this remote, turning on different turn consoles. Turn on the Wii, get the Wii thing out, do that. If you want to flip over, put the input on, push the button on the slicky. I just, I'm not that person. I just want to sit down with one remote. That's it. And now that's what I have. That's what I paid for. That's what I get. And I love it. Everything looks fantastic. My goal of my life from a childhood was to have the biggest TV. I know that's not a very noble goal. I understand I could cure world hunger or something, but between um, I was always in love with the TV. So Between the big TV we have in the front room now, 60-incher, and the 100-and-something-incher downstairs of projection screen, we're pretty good for viewing devices. Yeah, and that sounds really arrogant, actually, when you say it that way, but whatever. Oh, no, we bought them. <laughs> we didn't steal them. I just mean, it's like, oh, look, we got 60 inches over here, and I built, well, I built the screen for our movies downstairs That's not for arrogant. $80. You bought them, paid for them. Yeah. You, you can spend your money how you want, right? Yeah, it just still sounds a little bit self-absorbed, but it's not like I sit and watch, like, hours of television, because I don't, really. I watch... Stuff we save, Antiques Roadshow, and movies, and then I love Netflix stuff, and so I really have enjoyed it already so far, and... Works really good. We haven't had it. There's no no issue. It worked how we thought it would work, and it does everything we need it to do. Um, Yeah, it's the best TV I have ever had in the house. Absolutely. What's the best TV we've ever, ever had? I mean, we've got a bigger TV downstairs, but it's not a TV, is it? Mm-mm. It's a projector <laughs> with a big screen. Yeah. So, it was um, way cheaper. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's a broken TV. Yeah, it, was a, it, was, it took us, like, between the going out and looking for different cabinets and TVs, going looking for a TV, it's like two-day event, really, wasn't it, trying to do it all? Yeah, plus I had already been looking, so... Yeah, well, me too, I'd yeah. researched a bunch of Yeah, you of did all the research, yeah. found the TV. We, we like to research things. Yeah, yeah. Other than a car. Because really all I do, every time I've bought a car, I, do, we, I drive up, yeah, I see what, the car, have they got? and I go, okay, that's the one. Yeah. And that's it. Houses? We've done that I looked at like 30 houses, and I took it 18 months to do it. I researched the shit out of it. But for some reason... Not cars, that we bought houses. Refrigerator? Bought house, just this one. For months, I looked for a refrigerator. Even a stove. I didn't end up buying a new stove, though, because I never really committed to one, and ours works okay. We paid $100 to have it fixed. So I have this thing of until I, I know I'm not gonna. I've had buyer's remorse in the back in the past when I've bought things. My laptop, for example, really, really looked into that. What am I really yeah. gonna need? What am I really? I'm gonna pay extra now so I get everything I want and I won't regret it. Because I've in the past, you kind of pay when you don't have a lot of money or whatever. Then you go, well, I gotta settle for what I can get. 
But then sometimes you spend that extra cash, you get home, and you're like, oh, this isn't really what I wanted, and I'm stuck with it. So I've learned in my life to really, you know, if I'm not convinced when I get ready to swipe that card, I'm not going to do it. I mean, I'm just not going to do it. So I feel like so far I've had zero regrets. Plus we bought the insurance plan from Best Buy, so we're, we're good for two years. At least. At least. And I, I and we have homeowners insurance and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know that two-year thing on the TV, when it comes up for two years, I'd say get it again because... You can give me that for Christmas then, whenever it happens. <laughs> I don't want to pay for it again. Well, wouldn't you think, like, when it does break will be the third year, won't it? When yeah, you but if it out? doesn't, then you've spent, you know, 150 now and 150 then. It thought seems it was 250 Was it? That was 160 altogether or something like that. I thought it was 250 for two years and 400 and something for No, four. no, that was four. 260 for four years. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, I didn't go for the four-year one, but... Right, so, um, yeah, that's my stuff for this week. What have you got? What's Nothing, dinner? really. What's for dinner? Dinner is going to be salad, because we're hot, apparently. It's hot no, outside. No, I'm not really hot. Um, salad with some farmer's market goods. And just some baked veggie burger and fries. That's about it. And we got like a frozen lemon pie that we're going to be having, which is delicious. And hopefully a cup of tea. I'm getting that really weird. Like I'm not dry. I don't have a sore throat. But for some reason I've got this raspy voice. So I've got all of a sudden it comes and goes every few days. It's very weird. And um, what else? What's my advice? I don't know if it's advice. Well, it is kind of life advice. Somewhere in this paragraph there might be some advice. But... Just accept that no one, no one, no one will ever understand you fully. Like, no one will ever really understand you. That you need to give up trying to get people to understand you. I don't mean understand, like, a sentence that you're saying or your words that you're saying. I mean understand you. Like, your intentions, your motivations, why you say what you say, why you do what you do, how you really are, how you're going to react to something they say or that they do. And I'm talking about in close personal relationships. Because they're not going to. You're not going to. I have to accept it. What did I say in here? Like, I just have to tolerate, like, misunderstandings. And that goes for everything. Marriage, friendships, siblings, parents, work, coworkers, neighbors, clerk in the store like no one you just have to accept when people don't understand you and figure out how to navigate around it if they're not going to make the effort or that you don't have the time or there's no reason for they have no reason to you need to maybe either get over it and get on with your life and forget about it or learn how to navigate around you don't have to change who you are you don't have to change and, and like mold yourself to them but try to learn how to understand them better if they're not going to learn how to understand you and work with that. Otherwise, you know, just get on with life and enjoy what I put here, like your ultimate privacy. Like, ultimately, no one's ever going to know my mind. And that's fine because that's mine. Like, they, there's no cracking into that. There's no one who can tap into it and take it away. You can't hack it. You can't... Maybe maybe sooner or later. You can't figure it out. You can't use it against me because you don't understand me. So, that's not a bad thing. It's just hard to, to resolve sometimes with different kinds of relationships. So, that's my advice slash observation of the week. All right, so I want to remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, sigtalk.com. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch the 
podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the iTunes Music Store, or just go to com. click on the word podcast. Everything you might need is there. Um, and SIDTALK is C-I-D-T-A-L-K, by the way. And you can email me at com. Don't... Oh, you can email you, right? SIDTALK at F-U-L.com. No. Uh, yeah, you, could, you can email that if you like. You give it, that's not what I think. Then you won't get it. Um, and stay classy, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, and keep fighting the fight against Moriarty. And the evils of the world. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, because no one's going to understand you. And if you don't do it for yourself, they're going to do it for you. After the show. 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 After the show.